T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What is up, everybody? Good morning. It is January 5th. 2023 sun has risen on another day another trip around the sun for your favorite co-host of the russell and medhurst extravaganza as we get started this morning a lot of prayers out there chris's girlfriend and her family damar hamlin and to any of you that may need it as we rise on this thursday morning Mr. Miyagi, of course, on the other side of the glass, who did, by the way, already display his uh, Christmas sweater that Chris got him, uh, courtesy of his favorite burger joint. And, Chris, I got to tell you, my yeah. family got a kick out of the uh, Panda Express. Uh, they did. They enjoyed they it. Happy birthday. Of it. For, first of all, happy birthday. Uh, that's you. the first thing I should say. So they enjoyed oh. the – it fit okay? Uh, everything's fine. Perfect. Everything's fine. Did. They got a kick out of it. All right. Uh, and, and and I saw Maddie proudly displaying his, so it looked like his fit right. So I guessed uh, uh, correctly on that. So that's good. I'm happy uh, that you both like those and you're uh, maybe not so – well, maybe you'll proudly display them from time to time. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's great. Uh, and happy birthday again. Um, uh, and uh, thank you for the uh, good thoughts. And, uh, yeah, I mean, life is a mess right now. I don't really want to get into it on the air and all that stuff. Um, you know, but uh, appreciate everybody, um, you know, for multiple, multiple, multiple reasons, just going through a lot of stuff right now. So, um, you know, <laughs> I was thinking as I was, you know, as I was listening, driving home yesterday because I had to leave a little bit earlier and I was listening to Paulie call me out because uh, what did he say? I was dodging him. uh, (laughs) And then I just I, I disagree with everything he says. And then six months later, I repeat everything that he says as if it's my own. I think that was the gist of his phone call. That was that was interesting to be on the other side of that and to not be able to have a microphone to kind of crack. Isn't that one of those times where you just want to reach through the radio oh, yeah. and touch people? Oh yeah. And Paul but 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 the funniest thing was Paulie was right. Now I wasn't listening live. I, I did listen on rewind um you know once I got to my car and all that stuff. So I was a little bit behind. So I wasn't listening to the moment live. So it wouldn't have helped to reach through my radio, but I thought it was really interesting when he said, you know, I know Rufio, he's probably listening. You're damn straight I was listening. You're damn straight I was listening. And 
no, I don't repeat everything you say and then take it as my own. I am the trendsetter when it comes to me and Pauly. I'm the one that sets the table, damn it. <laughs> anyway. Um, I love it. So I'm glad. Uh, I, I, I know uh, – You've got a long road trip ahead of you today. Um, did you and the family get to have a good uh, little birthday dinner last night before we yeah, get into Kelly, it? Yeah, Kelly had some school activities. Um, mm-hmm. She does unified bowling, and then uh, uh, she's the manager of the boys' basketball program, so they had practice right after that. And then as soon as we picked her up, went uh, had a little bite to eat up the uh, street and um, at one of our favorite eateries. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son got off work. He was able to uh, get down there and – yeah, so we had a we had a good time last night, and uh, the ice cream thing that they bring you at the end—it's the size of. It's the best way to describe this. It it, it 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 when you're done eating this brownie, it's brownie, it's ice cream, oh. and it's chocolate syrup. Oh, and Chris, I'm telling you, if you took it out and put it on a scale, it's probably a pound and a half. Wow, that's how thick it is. It's just incredibly tasty, um, and of course they give it to you free for your birthday. And which is know, still a nice touch that places do that, and I because uh, not, not every place does that. They'll do the birthday celebration thing, right? But you got to pay they don't for really it. Give you anything, right? Yeah, I mean, but it was. I told, I even told Brenda ahead of time. I'm like, hey, I don't think I'm going to have enough room for this. So you know, let's you know, let's we don't have to make a big deal out of it. We don't need the free you know ice cream brownie or whatever. And they still ordered it. They still ordered it, and of course, I did. Still everybody ate part get of it. to at least yes. share? Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Right. They brought four spoons out, so See, everybody was kind of everybody was able to dive in a little. You bit. know, you know your boy, right? I, I I don't like anything with sugar in terms of drinks and all that stuff, right? But, and I'm not like a a, a dessert person first, like some people are, right? Like mm-hmm. I just not. I'll have dessert. I'll enjoy it, whatever, from time to time. But I, I'm just not somebody. But. I do have a weakness, and that is a hot brownie type deal oh, yeah. with this was, with Hulse. vanilla ice cream, and it melts and cascades down, and some whipped cream and a ch- oh, that is you would have definitely hit this thing. I, I oh, can tell you that it yeah. was good. It's as good as it gets in the dessert game. I'm sure uh, at a restaurant. I'm sure the biggest thing I gotta say this though, the uh, as always, you know, I I, I always know there are pro- likely Oreo cookies as part of my gift. But as part of either, because my birthday's so close to Christmas, part of the thing I asked for was, I mean, the two laptops I have are, are kind of aged. They both use Windows 7 to give you an idea of how old they are. That's um, pretty old. Yeah. So, you know, I found, I, I, I went shopping for, you know, during the Christmas season for some of the cheapest Chromebooks I could find, because I'm not trying to get anything elaborate and expensive. So I, I, you know, I asked for that, and sure enough, they got it for me. But the one thing I have to figure out here and i mean obviously i found the mute button finally this woman that just talks constantly you know like i pulled up espn.com and all of a sudden it reads across the score because i was watching the bucks raptors game last night um and it's like it's like bucks 71 raptors 69 it starts reading their records and all this other stuff because it's part of the graphic i'm like how do i get her to stop doing this? yeah um you know, by the way, two referees in that game last night live in this area. One of them graduated from the University of Maryland back in 2011 and worked for IBO Board 12, which is one of the good high school boards around here. They do a lot of Montgomery County uh, type stuff. But he's going to be on the NBA's two-minute report today. 
because he made a horrendous no call in this game last night that allowed assisted Toronto in coming back in this game. They came from nine down with like uh, 30 seconds left. Oh, and no. uh, Gary Trent Jr. just banging threes all of a sudden. Bobby, the, Bobby Port, pa- Pascal Siakam literally tackles Bobby Portis, pushes him out of bounds. And this referee gives the ball to Toronto saying it's awful Bobby out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he tackled him. He was trying to foul him, and they didn't call the foul. It, it's one of those moments, and again, as someone who's officiated for 34 years, I understand the pressure that goes on in all this. But, Chris, it's one of those moments where those of us who watch the NBA and love these entertainers, because that's what they are. They're entertainers. They're, they're unbelievable athletes. They're tremendously skilled people. But it's moments like this that for just a brief moment, we all think about Tim Donahue for a second. Raptors, Chris, were minus five and a half in that game last night. Mm. And if you had Raptors minus five and a half, they needed that game to get to overtime to get even remotely close to this. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not accusing the, the official of that. But it's because of what happened with Donahue and what looks to be such an obvious moment of a foul that's not called a foul, this is why a section of the folks that watch the NBA do allow their thinking to be clouded in, you know, because we have proof. We have actual proof of Tim Donahue and what happened with him. So anytime this type of stuff happens in pro sports, because of gambling and how, you know, easy it is, it's easy now, Chris. Um, it's never been easier to place a bet somewhere. When you see a moment like this, you're immediately, you're like, oh, my gosh, how can how can that person miss this? This isn't like, you know, the guy missing the call in the high school girls JV game because you know there's no money being bet on that. That's just a, a, a missed call, usually by an inexperienced referee. But these are the best of the best because you can't get to the NBA without being a great official. I know the people, I know some of the people that uh, pick these people, that train these people, they're awesome. But it's, it's calls like that look, look so obvious to everyone, people in attendance. I, I don't know how Mike Budenholzer didn't get thrown out. Well, I know why he didn't get thrown out, because if he gets teased, Toronto's going to get foul shots, and that's going to aid their cause. But if I'm Mike Budenholzer, I lose my mind in that situation because it's right in front of the Bucks bench. So credit to the Bucks, though, by the way. They, they got it together in overtime and pulled out uh, the victory in that one. But so the, still. the Raptors didn't cover the five and a half then? Oh, of course not. No, Bucks, Bucks ended up winning. I thought, by the way, I, I mean, look, uh, to me, uh, you know, and obviously I know Bucks were playing back-to-back on the road because yeah. they played the Wizards the night before. Right. I still thought Raptors minus 5.5 was one of the most fraudulent lines right. last night. I mean, Bucks were up 16 uh, with like two minutes to go. Right. And, you know, they kind of drizzled down their leg a little bit. Grayson Allen punched uh, Gary Trent Jr. in the nuts while he's taking a three-pointer. Uh, Trent hits the shot. Grayson Allen wait, gets gra- the wait. Grayson Allen did something shocking. I know, but I guess, mean, but guess who? Great, hey, who, wait, who takes more gratuitous <laughs> cheap shots and dirty shots, Grayson but Allen or Mac Jones? In the oh. effort of being a great villain, okay. In the effort of being a great villain, guess who hits the game-winning shot for the Bucks? Grayson, Grayson Allen. Allen. <laughs> Giannis drives down the lane. He's engulfed by four Raptors as he's falling out of bounds. He tosses it to the corner to a wide-open Grayson Allen. There's no one in the pro- in the country of Canada close to him. Yeah. And he bangs the game-winning three that's, out of the corner. That's I mean, tremendous. there was great theater. But, I, I, again, I go back to that. I mean, when you see a missed call like that, 
and I was I had some people message me last night, you know, when we're tweeting about the game, who brought up that exact same point. I try to talk them off the ledge because I love the NBA and I want to take everything in the NBA on the up and up. And I know we get mad when great players uh, take off for load management and all that other stuff. But, you know, it was just the kind of call that because we have the evidence of the Tim Donahue, Donahue case that we get, we, we, we do allow ourselves for a minute to think, wow, you know, how do you miss something so obvious in a situation like that? And then I, that's when I, I didn't even know what the number was. Uh, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the, uh, but you know, going into the game, and even late in the game, like you know how you can bet in game. I mean, I'm sure there were people that were just you know dive bombing uh, the Raptors as this thing was coming back, and maybe even bet Raptors going to the overtime because of all the momentum. And then obviously the Bucks were able to pull this thing out, but it just it, it it just allows you for a moment to lose your mind a little bit and think, man, is that ref on the take? Because Siakam literally puts two hands on him, reaches around him, grabs him, pushes him, ball goes out of bounds. And when a referee pointed Toronto's way, I'm like, and that you can't challenge that. You can't challenge that. So Budenholzer had no recourse whatsoever uh, in that situation. So mm. it, was, it, was a, it was really a, an interesting watch for, you know, a couple of minutes. If that happens in a playoff game, Chris, maybe it gets magnified uh, even greater. Now, magnified even greater was – Ron Rivera yesterday. When we left the air yesterday, there was the Kime report that you had brought up and we discussed over the final couple of minutes about all of a sudden maybe there was there was going to be some rethought as to who mm-hmm. was going to start at quarterback on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Now, based on, as we know it, as it's been reported, Taylor Heineke going to Ron Rivera saying, hey, you know, Sam deserves to get a full game. Uh, shot at this thing, you know, why don't you let him, you right. know, start? Ron, of course, you know, reevaluates, and uh, we're going to get Sam Howe coming up this weekend. Thoughts on the reversal here? And, look, man, I'm telling you, I, every time every time you think Taylor Heineke can't be a greater teammate, mm-hmm. he, he gives you a reason to be a greater teammate. And I'll tell you what, I know I know another team may determine his market. But if, I, if I'm Ron or whoever's in charge of this thing going into the offseason, I make him and his representative a legitimate offer as at minimum to be the backup for next year. I try to keep that guy in my locker room because you know what? That dude is a good dude, man. And you do have a culture right now of decent people in that locker room. Yeah. And I do believe Ron. When Ron says they made some progress, I think they've made some progress in that area. I, I think I, they've made some progress with – with good players on this team. I do, too. I but, do, too. But uh, to me, to me, that's a guy I, I got to keep around here, man. I, I, I just do. You know, I mean, listen, I wouldn't be opposed to it by any I, – like, I, I, a lot of people think there's no way you could bring back Taylor because he would undermine anybody who is the starter. Listen, the fans are going to undermine who the starter is if it's not Taylor Heineke. Not Taylor Heineke. That's not Taylor Heineke's fault. The fans would do it. Worry about the fans. Yeah, but the fans the fans don't determine I, I, who I understand goes in that. the game. No, I understand that. But when you have mentally fragile people like Carson Wentz and maybe even Ron Rivera, 
and this organization, certainly you can see how that would have some sort of an impact. But the point is, the greater point is, it would not be Taylor Heineke being a bad guy, a bad teammate. As I noted on Twitter right before the game started on Sunday, Taylor Heineke came up to Carson Wentz on the sideline, was watching the two, and he gave him, you know, a huge, like, hearty handshake, you know, like, high, not a high five, but like a, you know how, like, boys would, you know, give each other just like a hearty handshake and it's it's kind of like the 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 veracity of a high five but it's kind of like around your midsection type you know and and gave him a hug and and I watched the two of them I mean they are close like Wentz and Heineke despite battling for who is going to be the quarterback of this team they remain close all the way through the end of the season. Now, obviously, we all think Wentz is not going to be here. We don't know about Heineke, but I would suspect that Heineke is going to get more money than this organization is willing to play. That being said, that's a whole other uh, issue. What happened yesterday, and you're right, John Kine was first on this after the initial report by Jeremy Fowler, and this is why I always caution or try to caution, and maybe we got caught up in a little bit of it too much yesterday, that reports are just reports until they became official. And what it looks like here is that Jeremy Fowler talked to somebody (laughs) on Tuesday night and told him, hey, we're going to start Taylor Heineke and Howell is going to play. And then had a reversal, a, 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 a reversal on overnight Tuesday night into Wednesday morning or whatever, and Taylor Heineke... Uh, helped convince him. I was told, I was told, and this shouldn't be a surprise, that Marty Herney played a very, very instrumental role in convincing Ron as well. I'll remind everyone, as I would like to be in the college scouting department of an NFL team, Marty Herney started out in our industry. Yes. Uh, as a journalist. But also, Marty Herney is two things. One, he was the GM that hired Ron Rivera in Carolina mm-hmm. and worked with him not the entire time because obviously Gettleman was there when Herney stepped yeah. aside and then but, Herney but came Marty's back. One of, Marty's one of the voices he is, he, that well, Ron trusts. Well, he is, I think he is the trusted lieutenant. And then the other thing that I would remind you about Marty Herney, Marty Herney does not want to be the GM in terms of managing the cap and contracts and rules and regulations. That That's Martin Mayhew's job. Marty Herney is a scout's scout. He is on the road constantly. Mm-hmm. And I know he did several of Sam Howell's games in his final year at North Carolina. I know he did. And he probably has as much of a feel and temperature for Sam Howell as anybody in that building. As anybody in that building. So, again, I'm not disputing that Taylor Heineke didn't do what he did. That's all great. That sounds wonderful. That's all public. Great. Congratulations. Pat on the back. That's really nice of Taylor. I'm just telling you, from what I was told, Taylor Heineke's, uh, I guess, request or or advice or, or, or whatever wasn't the only factor and wasn't certainly the only person that Ron leaned on to make this decision different. And Ron admitted that, yes, initially he thought Taylor Heineke would start this game. And I guess he even told Taylor Heineke, obviously. And it's okay to change your mind, Pete. The problem is, the problem for Ron 
is he changes his mind a lot. He changes his tune and his message a lot. He changes the direction and the philosophy a lot. And right now, and I'm just trying to be as nice as I possibly can, it looks like, I don't want to say a rudderless ship, but it looks like a ship that is... Easily swayed one way or the other. And wobbling back and forth in the ocean Mm -hmm. and kind of like... Not directionless, but something short of directionless, if that makes sense. Let's just hope it doesn't end up like uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, You know, again, Ron is trying to, as I've said all along, I I don't believe there's any lack of effort on Ron's part, on Martin Mayhew's part, Marty Herney's part. I don't believe there's a lack of effort on the coaching staff's part. Remember at the beginning of the season, there were a lot of people, Chris, even though you and I, predicted they would make the playoffs I thought they could get to 10 wins certainly they were close enough in a lot of games to be able to potentially get to 10 wins but there were a lot of people Chris that thought this team was going to be a three-win team four-win team and that they weren't going to be very good so from that standpoint they exceeded a lot of expectations in the minds of many but the part that you know is hard to fathom is they got to the point where they were in the driver's seat. They were dictating the terms and then couldn't finish the deal. Do we do we give them a pass because St. Juice got hurt, Curl got hurt at just a bad time, just terrible time. You, you lose guys like that down the stretch, um, that, that's, a, that's, that's a bad deal. You lose Allen in the middle of this game uh, against Cleveland where you're trying to keep your season alive. I mean, is it is it wrong to think, as Scott Abraham asked Ron, you know, about this season, about what they accomplished, and Ron giving you an answer of feeling like, yeah, I thought we, I thought we accomplished a lot. Is Ron wrong to feel that way, considering a lot of people outside of that building thought they weren't going to be very good, thought they weren't going to win more than three or four games? So is is Ron wrong? Because I saw a lot of people taking Ron to task for the answer, and I was kind of conflicted when I thought about it. Like, I understood why some fans would give him grief, and maybe even some media members would give him grief. But at the same time, I thought there was some merit to some of the things he said based on some of the expectations from people coming into the season. I think we should discuss that a little bit uh, here uh, this morning. 312-3-0. 0980. We're off and moving. It's a Thursday morning. Ron Rivera going to go to Sam Howell. Going to get our first look at the fifth round draft pick out of the University of North Carolina. Of course, it was kind of a, a wacky path uh, to get there. You know, it's it's probably not the best thing that we're getting Sam Howell because that means the team is out of contention. But either way, we're going to get him. We're going to talk about that answer from Ron uh, on Scott Abraham's question yesterday. As we uh, take your calls at 301-230-0980. And, of course, listening live for free on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. You're disappointed as heck, no doubt. Teams closing in on a playoff berth, driving the bus, ready to pull up to the gates of the playoff and say, let us in. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the bus broke down. And the new bus didn't get there in time. And Washington not going to the playoffs. A lot of folks thought this team wasn't going to do much coming into the season. Did, did in a sense, this group overachieve a little bit? by knocking on the door of the playoff. But remember, Chris and I thought they were going to the playoffs. And and quite frankly, Chris and I looked good through 12 weeks. <laughs> we're like, this is going to work out. I was like, dang, on, they might win 10 games here. Mm-hmm. This is going to be really good. Let, let's hear Ron talk. Let's hear Ron's response. And you can, uh, we're gonna, So you get full context. We're going to play Scott's part of the question as well. That way, you know, we're not just selecting one part, you know, that, like some do. We're going to give you the whole context of what Ron said in response to Scott Abraham's question yesterday afternoon. Before the season started, Ron, you said this year three was going to be a big year for mm-hmm. this franchise, for this team, that you wanted to see growth, you wanted to see that next step. I'm sure you're in the process of the self-reflection, self-evaluation as the finality comes up here on Sunday. Do you feel like this team has met your expectations and taken those next steps that you wanted to see, as you mentioned, in the offseason going in? I'd like to believe we did. I think we did some really good things. I think there was a, there was a point where, what, we were six in the whole playoff hunt. Um, we got ourselves there. We played some pretty good football, and some things happened that we just couldn't sustain. You know, we went through a period with some injuries and lost some guys for the season that we didn't have available. Um, we played several games that way. We didn't have the running backs from the very beginning. Uh, we finally got that together, and, and, and as things came together, we showed what we could do and then some unfortunate situations. So do I think we, we, we step forward? Yeah, I do. Do I think we, we show we have a pretty good core of young guys? Yes, I think so. And do we have enough young guys, our veteran guys around those young guys? I think we do. But I do think there's a couple of positions that we can shore up, that we need to shore up. Um, and again, it comes back to the one question that's looming over everybody, and that's the quarterback position. I was kind of hoping that you know we had found a solution, and who knows, we may not, we may have. We'll find out on Sunday how we feel about it coming out of it. Um, but do I feel good enough? Yeah, I do. I really do. I mean, we we did some good things. You'd like to believe. Now we had some opportunities we didn't capitalize, and that's on us. That's on me. Well, Chris, it's one of the few times a that. Ron, at the very end, does take responsibility, saying, hey, that's on me. Yep, some accountability. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, Chris, they're clinging. They're clinging to life that, hey, we we might still have the quarterback. Right. 
Because the other day it was we're still searching for QB one. Yeah. And you know, now, and now, now he's like, now well, it's like, yeah, we might, right. maybe, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll step in poop and come out smelling like roses. But but you know you what, know? though, Chris? I mean, if you're going to evaluate Sam Howell, right? Why it not can't evaluate? just be a one. Well, it also can't be a one game evaluation. Completely right? agree. Completely agree. But why not get an idea? Uh, think about this. He certainly hasn't had the preparation all through the year. Mm-hmm. And if he does give you anything resembling an NFL quarterback in this game, you know, as we said all along, Chris, if they'd have gone with Hal at the beginning of the season and they end up, you know, potentially 8-8-1 eight, eight and one or something like that, I think we're looking at this completely different than we are right now. If they would have committed to him and said, hey, we're going to grow with this guy instead of bringing in what they were, what they were hoping was a $28 million reclamation project, had they gone this route, I think fans and others would be looking at this completely different than they are now if it was Sam Howell that had achieved this record and had them knocking on the door uh, of a playoff spot, even if they had faltered a little bit here at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think we do look at it, whether it's right or wrong, I think we do look at it in a, in a completely different way. But as you listen to Ron say that, getting the full context of what he said, is he wrong to think that, yeah, they did make some progress in some key areas, development of skilled people? They're oozing with skilled people, Chris. I mean, that that's obvious. That's apparent uh, right now. But he knows clearly quarterback is one of them, but it's not the only area, Chris, that this team is deficient in right now. And blaming it on the quarterback position alone, I think is disingenuous, at least in my opinion. Well, true. I, I mean, clearly, it's never just about the quarterback when you're winning or losing, right? When you're succeeding or failing. Anybody that makes it just about the quarterback, just about the head coach, just about the offensive coordinator, or primarily, none of that has ever been true, right? I mean, it just isn't. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't aren't really good and bounce back from an 0-2 hole just because of Joe Burrow. It takes a team. It takes an army. It takes, you know, a a group. It takes both sides of the ball, really, all three phases, plus the coach, all that stuff. That's just a general point, but you know what I'm saying, right? When Ron talks about – when Ron talks about they made progress, I mean, obviously he's trying to polish a turd here, okay? Because – Have you ever tried to do that? Well – That's that's probably – you know, no, it's probably not easy to do. No, but but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, there is nobody in the fan base and probably nobody in the NFL, although, well, m- maybe outside of some of the national minions, that are viewing this season in that context. Meaning, hey, we didn't make the playoffs. We were the sixth seed. We were seven and five. We had control, complete control of our own destiny up until Sunday, and we failed, which Ron admitted to, and Ron said was, you know, he'll take accountability for him. But there's nobody in this fan base and that watches his team every day and pays attention to mostly everything, realistic or unrealistic, that views this season as a success. Nobody. And nobody should. But did they make progress I think that, Pete, is a different question. And, and I'm really curious if we pose that to the audience, right, 
did they make progress? I think you can answer that to what the season, the season was not a success. To me, that answer is easy. Nobody should view it as a success. But progress is different than success, is it not? Or at least in my mind it is, and I'm curious if in your mind it is well, okay. as well, and in the caller's yeah. minds that it is, because, again, I think you can argue, I think you can argue that, yes, they made a little bit, a little bit of progress. Not enough, but a little bit of progress. Well, here's the thing. The way Scott, uh, you know, the way Scott presented the question, in terms of the way Ron felt coming in, hey, this is this is a group that you think this is going to – you're doing more. You go get a guy like a, you know, Carson Wentz because you feel that, right. you know, in terms of arm talent, yeah, he's a step up over uh, Taylor Heineke. So, in theory, yes, there were, there were expectations uh, coming into this season. Oh, there were big-time expectations, including, like, what the head coach said over and over and over and over and over and over again. And your owner. Make no, yeah, make no mistake about it. They did not live up to expectations. They failed. They failed. Like, the notion that this team was only supposed to win three or four games or five games, Pete, I, you know, like, the, to me, that was people that weren't, weren't paying attention to anything other than the quarterback, meaning they had really no full context of the roster and the talent that and depth that this team had been building. While, while fully admitting that they had holes, or, well, they didn't admit this, while fully understanding that they had holes, corners, offensive lines, so on and so forth, this team had way more talent than three, four, five wins. Ultimately, they only are going to get to seven, maybe, maybe eight, probably likely seven. Again, they fell short of expectations, not only set forward publicly by the the, the head coach consistently, but also by reality, by common sense. This wasn't supposed to be a three or four or five win team. It just wasn't. And, and, and again, I, I have to think most of those people that predicted that and projected that, most of those people had no idea about Cam Curl, about Benjamin St. Just, about Jamin Davis going into year two, about Deron Payne having a breakout year, about, um, you know, uh, and uh, Brian Robinson. I, I mean, about Jahan Dotson, about – I can go on and on. Again, they failed in terms of the expectations and the reality. They failed. They came up short. But did they make progress? I think you can say, even though linearly, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. they might go from 7 and 10 to 7, 9, and 1. I mean, obviously that is a slight improvement, but just use the 7. Even though they might stay at the same amount of wins, Pedro, Mm Mm-hmm. They made progress, in my opinion. It's a small modicum of progress. It's not enough, but they made a little bit of progress. I'd love to share and break down where I think they made progress with you, but do you think, again, not that they fulfilled expectations. They did not. Let's be clear. But do you think they made any progress, like Ron thinks and like I think? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we – look, there were people that were killing this group for taking Dotson at 16 
clearly, Jahan more than uh, more than uh, you know took care of that business. Uh, he definitely looked like a guy uh, that was worth the 16th pick uh, in the draft. But I think it's also because, and I think because of you know the lack of execution at times in the offense uh, by all facets of it, not just the you know the the, the receivers, but the, the quarterback and the offensive line because they're all. They're all tangibly connected in all of this. If one guy doesn't do his job on a play, the whole play can break down. That's the that's the unfortunate part of pro sports. Uh, all it takes is one player to screw it up. In individual sports, if a golfer hits a bad shot, you know it, pro- it hits a tee shot out of bounds. It costs him two shots usually. Okay, uh, if a tennis player, you know, hits a volley out of bounds, there's no teammate there to push it back in. There's no teammate on the other end to catch it before it goes out of bounds like you can with a bad pass uh, in football or basketball. Uh, so, you know, that's the that's the unfortunate part of sports. Receiver can run a great route, can win his route by 10 yards, but if the quarterback gets hit because an offensive lineman didn't do his job, the ball doesn't get there, the whole play breaks down. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe, and based on the way Ron presented his answer, yes, I, I do believe they made some progress. Uh, but, again, it's – and it goes even deeper. It, it, you got to take a deeper dive into it, and we'll do that right. coming up next as to why the results ended up the way they did. 301-230-0980. Line up now. Get your thoughts on it. Progress or no progress? Were you in the three- or four-win camp at the beginning of the year, or did you buy into what the head coach was selling, saying, yes, we have the potential to be an outstanding football team? And because they came up short of those expectations, does that keep you from thinking they made any progress at all? 301-230-0980. Russell's got to look at what's trending. All right, we'll start with the NFL. Remember the other day, right here on Russell and Medhurst, Jay Gruden said that Derek Carr would be at the top of his list and should be for the commanders. Well, that situation has spurred Devontae Adams to express some frustration. He says he does want to return to the Las Vegas Raiders next season, uh, despite the impending departure of Derek Carr, but he wants to have some input, some control. Also saying, I wouldn't have been here or ended up here, probably, if Derek wasn't here. So again, while he continues to support his friend, he also says he intends to be with the Raiders next year and wants a little bit of input where Carr will wind up. Obviously, we don't know uh, at this point, but it could be here in Washington, who is going with Sam Howell, finally, after twisting, turning, diving. Mentioned about 20 minutes ago that... Not only did Taylor Heineke have an influence, but also Marty Herney, longtime lieutenant with Ron Rivera in Carolina and, of course, here in the decision to go to Sam Howell to start Sunday against the Cowboys. The Caps back in action tonight as they visit Columbus off the overtime loss coverage on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey at 645. And we have the Terps and Rutgers right here on the Team 980 and Odyssey at 6. And that's what's trending. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We played what Ron had to say about they felt they made tangible progress. And there were places on this roster that made progress. And I think also because of where the progress was made, it made us hunger for more. We just didn't get it. And that is what, that's where we're at. That's the avenue we're at. We're at the fork in the road, quite frankly. And it's, it's do you allow this regime to continue on trying to make it work with players they've developed? The wide receiver room is definitely in a great place. I think the running back room is in a great place. The defensive line room, for the moment, until, you know, Deron Payne's contract expires, is in a really good place. But that takes a hit if you don't bring him back. Chris, where where in your mind was the greatest progress made in your mind on this team this year? No, well, I mean that—that's to me that's that—that's where I see the progress. I don't—I don't see any progress at middle linebacker. We knew that. That's strictly a personnel issue. You—you've got to get better personnel there. Uh, corner? Do you have a? Do you have a, a one? Yeah, Benjamin St. Juice seems to have those qualities, but he's got to stay on the field. Uh, you know, unfortunately, his body let him down a little bit uh, over the course of this season. You know, so he's got to stay on the field. He has the potential to be a number one corner. We've seen that this season. But if he only plays ten games, nine games, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help our team. Uh, safety, Cam Curl, we, we know what Cam is all about. I thought Derek Force made a lot of progress this year. Uh, toward the end of the year, you know, even his own admission, you know, made a couple of bad decisions out there that led to plays by the other team. But I think there's definitely an NFL caliber starting safety mm-hmm. in Derek Forrest. Correct. And I think Jeremy Reeves is showing that as a third safety uh, and clearly a special teams maven, he absolutely belongs. But in your mind, where where was the most tangible progress made, you know, uh, in your mind this year? Well, I mean, I start with, I mean, not a quarterback, obviously. I start with running back with Brian Robinson bouncing back from – a tragedy in mid-August, and we think becoming kind of the bell cow back that many didn't think he could be in the pre-draft process and even in the post-draft process, I think they have something there if he can stay healthy, which he's been a little bit banged up, and maybe that's curtailed some of his usage here. Uh, and um, an ability to be put in certain situations, as we discussed yesterday, I think they made progress there. I think they're a better backfield with Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and Jonathan Williams than they were last year with Antonio Gibson as the lead back 
and Jarrett Patterson and 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 whoever I forget who else. Oh, JD McKissick. I mean, JD McKissick's probably not going to play uh, in the NFL again, if not uh, certainly not for this organization. I can't imagine uh, that is going to be the case. So I think they are better there. I think they're better at wide receiver, right? I mean, last year at this time, we had no idea if Curtis Samuel was ever going to be healthy, ever going to produce, ever going to be anything. I've, he's proven that he can stay healthy, and he's proven that they can use him in a number of different ways. Jahan Dotson obviously had a very good rookie year. Now he missed five games. Um, you know, so uh, uh, like with anybody, you got to prove that you can stay durable and healthy. Injuries happen, but, you know, you can't have five games every year that you're not there for uh, or, or a.k.a. Brandon Sheriff disease. Um, I, so I think they made progress very clearly in those two areas. I would also say you made progress like you were talking about with Defoe and obviously Cameron Curl. Uh, now, look, Cam Curl missed the first two games and then he missed the last two games um, of the meaningful part of the season, right? It happens, again, you'd like to not see that happen, right? But But that hasn't been an issue up until now. You hope that that's just a physical player who plays a physical position, who just unfortunately got banged up, and you hope that's not an every-year thing where he's going to miss four or five games. You don't know that about Benjamin St. Juice because he missed most of last year, and he missed now a good port. well, good portion. Uh, he, what, he missed four out of the last five games? Yeah, reasonable a portion, amount, no doubt. You know, of, same thing with Sam Cosme, right? Sam Cosme we know can be good run-blocking. We're, we're not sold on him as a pass-blocker, but he's, he can't stay on the field. Uh, we've talked – so, you, you know, like, do I feel like they've made progress in the secondary by getting rid of William Jackson III, by developing Christian Holmes a little bit, by developing and bringing back Danny Johnson, Sir, you know, St. Juice, all of that? Yes, Cam Curl, Defoe, uh, um, um, Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy Reeves is a special teamer, never mind as a safety. But both, yes. They've made progress. Jamin Davis, progress. Is it good enough? No. So, like our buddy Tailgate Ted said, did they make progress? Hell no. We are most likely ending with seven wins for the third straight year with even more questions heading into the offense uh, offseason than last year, in his opinion. And he's not wrong that they have more questions or as many questions and that they probably are stuck on the same amount of wins. Again, as I said to you, 10 minutes ago on the show, Pete, when we set this topic up, there has to be some context by, by numbers and by pure stat- and by the win. The only thing that matters in many people's eyes, they did not make progress and they clearly did failed in terms of expectations internally and most externally, they clearly failed. And again, if you're just judging based on the fact that they don't have the quarterback situation straightened out, clear and that they're likely to stay on seven wins for a third year in a row and not go above seven since 2016 when they clearly had the opportunity yeah it's a failure across the board it's a systemic failure but I think it's okay I think it's okay to say in certain areas which is what Ron was saying they did make progress I I think that's the truth and I think you can say they failed in terms of expectations and they and and they didn't do what they were supposed to do, yet they made progress in some, some areas. Not all areas, not the most important areas, but some areas. 
301-230-0980. Let's hear from you. Do you agree with Ron that there was there was progress made? Some came into the season with no expectations. Ron came into the season selling expectations, and they fell short of that. 301-230-0980. Your thoughts on it as we see Sam Howe for the first time in a regular season game this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys at 425. It's Russell and Medhurst until noon right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.